Hello and welcome to this Pastel Coloured, life-affirming safe space of episode 24. In this demotivational speech of a podcast, we discuss the growing industry of lifestyle influencing and how you should never wear white trainers on a film shoot. We give the younger generation both barrels, part through frustration, but mainly through jealousy, and we give Taunton some brilliant ideas for turning it into a hub of wellness and positive life affirmation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, share, and of course subscribe to the show. If you didn't, well then why not paint your entire house in sustainable pastel coloured paint, listen to some Enya, and reflect on how amazingly successful your life is. I'm Matt. And I'm Lou. I'm John. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this is Straight Straight from the Hot Setter. Um, Hey, sorry I'm late. I've got a good reason, though. Do you you want to know what it is? What is it? I just passed my written driving test. Dude, this is monumental, actually. Yeah. As someone who who has spent approximately, I don't know how many hours, maybe... You know, a hundred hours in a car with you, and driven every <laughs> every minute of those hours. <laughs> driven this every is, hour. <laughs> this is big news. I think when you pass your driving test, Matt, we should have a road trip from LA to Taunton with you at the wheel. Yeah, the funny thing is, I can actually drive now absolutely fine. The weird thing is, I've I've only li- learned to drive with incredibly physical cars that have like manual gears and stuff. So it's it's kind of good. You drive stick. Stick shift. Dick shift. Anyway. I said stick shift, but you heard dick shift. (laughs) Yeah. Drive dick. We've literally gone straight back to Ernie Els in the bathroom at Wembley, haven't we, Matt? Someone says, you know, guitar and you and you just hear dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. While my guitar gently weeps. (laughs) Oh no. It's so too 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 early for that. Oh god. Matt, I got a funny thing to do a rant about today. Is it hot off the press? Do we have Lou today, or is she gone? No, she can't make it. She's um, she's otherwise engaged. She's got to do a, she's got to cater for a, a gay engagement on um on Saturday. Oh, is she doing catering though? No, she's always done a little bit. Yeah, here was and that there. Her, the company with her mum. Yeah, but she's done a little bit of private catering here and there as well. So okay, our friend Jodie's getting married, so Lou's doing the engagement. Cool. Yeah, she said she might pop in in a bit if she finishes what she's doing, but I suspect it's unlikely. Is she really doing a speed awareness course? Is that, is that, is that the real thing? <laughs> yeah. She's probably, knowing her, she's probably, rather than a speed awareness course, she's probably doing some kind of late night secret drag race down the, the A500. Police interceptor training. Police evasion training. Anyway, Matt, what's this rant of yours in? You've bigged it up already, so. Is this like a suspenseful? This is the time of the show we call Matt's Rants. I still love my introduction so much. It really appeals to me. So listen, as someone who's speaking on a podcast next week about the evils of social media, and as the topic of discussion today is influencing and gurus, which are both hallmarks of modern culture, I thought I'd chime into the topic with something in this arena. People humble bragging on the internet. (laughs) And if you're particularly astute, you'll notice that I actually just did a humble brag in the last sentence. Obviously, yeah. no one did. So this is something that really shows off how social media has negatively affected our life. The reality is that, you know, I grew up, I think we all grew up with 
these twin ideas of modesty and humility and it being rude to show off. And that has completely ended with the emergence of social media. And the idea that you can and should constantly boast about yourself has now become the norm in society. And the thing about it is often what you don't realize is, or what we all realize is that when you boast about something or when you talk about one of your achievements or whatever, often it's received by the listener as intimidating in a negative way. In other words, what I'm saying is when people boast about what they've been doing, not only is it annoying, but you also feel bad because the part of you feels unconsciously like you're not doing very well. So for example, we've all experienced seeing Instagram photos of people's perfect lives. And then you immediately go to you thinking, well, my life is not as good as that and wasting my life and I feel bad. And we've all experienced wanting to get off social media because of that. Or, mm. or when someone posts on Twitter or whatever that they've just made this big achievement at work, you feel like, oh my God, I'm not, my job's not going great. I'm not doing that well. I'm not earning enough money. This idea of humble bragging, which particularly annoys me, can be applied to virtually all areas of life because of its proliferation on social media. So like you get bombarded by news and images of people who are doing better than you. And sometimes it can be in the most minor way, almost ways that doesn't make you feel that bad, but it's just plain irritating. Like people saying, I'm going on a sponsored cycle race. <laughs> right? Or I'm gonna go and or, this is just for English people. Like, oh, I'm gonna walk to Land's End for cancer. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> nobody cares okay nobody cares that you're doing a sponsored cycle race the only thing you've just showcased is that you're having a massive midlife crisis <laughs> you know nobody gives a fuck that you raised a thousand dollars for cancer no one not even people with cancer. They just want oh you to God. shut the fuck up about cancer because they've got it. Like, no one cares about you. Do you know what I mean? I just can't emphasize this enough. The reason I'm bringing this up is because just because of the industry I work in, and I'm positive that you guys have to deal with this in your own way. Every time I turn on the internet in the morning, I am fucking deafened by people telling me about how well they're doing in their careers. Huh. And it just makes you feel terrible. And I know full well that they probably also feel terrible themselves because they don't think they're doing well enough. In case I haven't emphasized it enough, nobody cares <laughs> that you're going on a cycle race to Land's End or through France. No one. We've covered this ground before a little bit in a previous episode. And I think the conclusion we came to at that point was the scale of the challenge needs to be sufficient to endanger your life or the lives of others in some way for it to constitute worthy of sponsorship. A worthy course, yeah. For example, if you're doing a cycle race through France and being pursued by people in a car firing guns at you, then I can see giving money to that person. Or if you're like riding through Herefordshire and you're going to have an Al-Qaeda flag on your bike or something, 
then I can see that. Can I just ask a simple question? Because I'm not even sure. Is like a humble brag then? Is it a big, ostentatious declaration of something good you're doing? Or is it is it something more of a sort of more subtle, just slipping a few things in about how worthy or... It's more the latter, I think. Let me give you an example of a, hum- of a humble brag. Hey, I just found out that I just have been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The thing is, it's a way of showing off without yeah. showing off. Could you sort of double down on it by just prefacing it with, uh, you'll never guess what happened to me when I was on the way back from donating at the local food bank the other day, but I got yeah, um, nominated one. for the Nobel Prize. Yeah, that's a double humble brag. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so the worst one I've ever seen in my life. So there's a, a lady that I know a little bit through rugby circles up here. And she's notorious for putting some pretty questionable stuff on social media. She likes to invent her own motivational quotes and put them in <laughs> some kind of filtered background and encourages people to share them and things like this, which is bad enough. But the worst one I've ever seen in my life, it was on Children in Need Night. I personally try to avoid it if I can, not because I don't believe in the causes, but because I just find the whole thing a little bit over the top. She took a photo of herself, a selfie, with the TV in the background with some picture of some kid looking hungry or something. And she was looking as if she was crying. Yeah, so she'd obviously like splashed a bit of Prosecco in her eyes or something. <laughs> and um, the catch was something on the lines of watching Children in Need makes me appreciate how fortunate we are in this life. And I'm so grateful to be have the opportunity to donate just a small token of my appreciation for the hard work of the people that support these, these poor, desperate children and all this sort of stuff. But the photo was so choreographed to make sure that we got sight of her immaculate front room and her 55-inch plasma television, a handcrafted Cheshire sandstone (laughs) fireplace in the background. The whole thing was like, look at me and how amazing I am and look how moved to tears I am by this program. Yeah, that is just Um, obnoxious. And by extension, look how poor this little black kid is. That's just way over the line and I agree that's just bullshit. I think we're being a bit harsh about people who are genuinely doing... Because in a sense, it's like a pitch, right? You know, if you're trying to raise money, then you're trying to reach an audience to raise the money. Yes, I agree, children in need and all that is pretty awful, but it really does work. And I guess in a smaller scale version of getting sponsorship to do i agree it should be something genuinely difficult like a marathon not a fucking 5k run which anyone should be able to do unless something's wrong that's still a good platform to raise money for charity and whatnot if you pass the test of it being a genuine test well it depends who you are 5k to some people is a test if it's a test relative to that person that's really challenging then by all means use social media to raise money for it. Man, you're so worthy, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) That was a humble brag. Thanks for that humble brag, Josh, about how you love charity. (laughs) Guys, uh, I remember uh, when uh, someone uh, I know, and it was really hard for them to run 10K, but, you know, I remember being there for them and sponsoring them on uh, social media. Yeah, thanks. I remember taking a picture of me and them, putting on my social media when I went to meet them at the finish line. And I said to them, Look, <laughs> the money's in the post. <laughs> the thing is, it's a shame that Lou isn't here because another thing that's related to this that I become aware of is that women get very intimidated when people <laughs> post images of 
kids. There's that photo, the choreographed photo of he asked me to marry him. It's like a proposal photo. It's yeah, obviously God, yeah. like the gender reveal then, things as well is a big thing. Women get intimidated by those photos. It makes them feel bad about their love life or whatever. I started to experience this in my 30s when people started to post endless photos of their children. I just started to be like, okay, well, I don't have children. so. But then I start thinking, what are those children going to be like when they grow up? They've been exposed to social media since age zero. Well, I think we're starting to find out, Matt. This is a true story. So I did some work a little while ago with job search support. So I, I supported the job centers, giving people advice and um, humble, humble know, brag. Careers. Yeah, and CV. <laughs> you Matt, know, that is so, okay. We all know now that you care about people. It just reminds me of the time I did some like pro bono work for charity. Um, <laughs> it really brings back the time when just, just this little thing I was doing in the rainforest, helping the indigenous. Was it? Yeah. You know. So the best way of describing this guy was he was a millennial. So, you know, a little bit impressed himself anyway. And I lined him up with an interview, but this guy <laughs> dropped out of university because he didn't see eye to eye with the tutor, which is code for failed his first year and couldn't get back on the course. Anyway, he lined him up with this interview and I rang the clients to see how it had gone. He said, yeah, it was a uh, quite an unusual interview. Uh, we were sort of chatting about the company and, and what we did and all the rest of it and a little bit about the role. And he got up and said, yeah, thanks for your time. I think I was put on this earth for more than this and walked out. That is such millennial behavior, by the way. <laughs> it was. It was amazing. Is that as a result of social media or is that just a result of, his, of poor parenting or what were we saying? Well, it's a result of, of how millennials have been brought up in today's culture you know what's really interesting is that millennials have been brought up in a time of economic prosperity right whereas people who are younger gen z as they call it they've grown up in a time of depression so they're actually extremely bitter about millennials and how easy they've had it big strategy of mine at the minute is to deliberately recruit older people because they do my head in that much. Give you an idea, right? So for one of our teams down south, we have this customer services team. So it's not, you know, it's not the world's most exciting work, but it's not badly paid. It's good for people who maybe didn't come out of school with great qualifications, but maybe if, you know, wanted to do something in a, in a more corporate environment with some, with some opportunities and stuff. Anyway, 80% of all interviews that we book, they don't turn up for. 80%. No, that is really awful. I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. We have to interview about five people for every role. We've got about 10 vacancies. No, sorry, about five vacancies in the team at the minute. 80% of all booked interviews are no-shows. And the common denominator is age 19 to 24, and also, interestingly, predominantly female. That's the common denominator. And why so, do you think they're not turning up, Matt? I think there's two things there. I think... There's one big thing, which is macroeconomical, which is things like house ownership, things like moving out of home, saving money are very, very difficult at the moment, incredibly difficult. So people are often living at home and not really having to think too much about their futures, right? So working in a bar, for example, doing casual work, earning minimum wage is ample, is plenty to live the lifestyle that they want to live. You know, they can go out, they can buy clothes, they can go to nightclubs, they can drink, buy mobile phones, all, this, all the rest of it, because they don't see the point in doing anything more than that, because what's the point? Because, you know, saving £20,000 for a 
for a deposit for a house or even more in, in lots of parts of the country it's, it's just pointless that's where they see it and the second thing which, which is very much endemic of society is and this sort of echoes your point matt is you look on instagram at people yoloing and living their best lives and the rest of it it doesn't look like working nine to five in a call center where you've got to turn up at a certain time behave wear certain clothes, turn up consistently five days a week or whatever. That's not what that looks like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The reality of work is a massive shock, a massive shock to people. Like they come out of education thinking the world of work is just this like roller coaster of getting loads of money and buying designer clothes and the rest of it. And they realize that actually, unless they're the very, very brightest people in very well-paid industries or have extremely wealthy parents, guess what? You have to work pretty hard for it, doing jobs which are not that exciting. And to maybe bring this back to uh, the whole social media thing, is it because there's such a big difference between what they think should be the reality and what is? And is that partly social media's fault? Feeding from your question, Josh, and based on what Matt just said, which I thought was really interesting, I wanted just to tell you guys a story about what millennials mean to me. <laughs> Are we now going to hear like your dating profile? I'm not going to comment on that. I'm in a relationship, Josh. I wanted just to tell you guys a story about millennials, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> that is so not getting edited. Josh, <laughs> I'm just going to have a standing edit option. A friend of mine, there's no names in the story, right? So, a friend of mine is about our age, right? And is he called Gat Mayhem? He's going to remain nameless for the purposes of this of this anecdote. <laughs> but he's not. No, he's not. He he's about our age, and I guess we're all Gen X, right? We constitute Gen X. He's a really successful indie film producer, and he's well known for being an excellent producer, right? And being a producer is a very very difficult job because it's basically being a kind of manager, organizer accountant, everything all rolled into one. These indie movies are on very tight budgets. So a mistake or a wrong piece of equipment that's been ordered by you can shut down the whole production and can just cause mayhem. And you just don't have extra money that you can dip into often. So being a producer is about keeping costs down, keeping the whole crew happy. Often it's usually a crew of about two or 300 people, right? So this friend of mine in charge of the shoot of a movie in Alabama about a year ago, and it was winter. Now, Alabama in the winter, it rains a lot. And the shoot was in the outskirts of Birmingham. They were in the country a lot. And it was a really tough shoot. People were working 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. sometimes, you know. I mean, they had to get everything in the can. It was really tough. And most of the crew were staying in these really bad lodgings. And he had this terrible motel room. It was really bad. And this guy is a hard worker, but he said this shoot was particularly difficult. And there was this moment when there were a number of younger assistants on the shoot. And these guys were all about 25. They'd all come in from, I think, New York or LA or somewhere. They weren't from Birmingham. So there was obviously this big age discrepancy. And almost the whole crew was unionized. These guys were some of the only ones that weren't. And so there was this moment where my friend had to ask these younger assistants to drive a car down a country road after the shoot one day, and they refused to do it. And this car had been driven down this particular country road every day. But when it came 
him asking these guys to do it. They just said no. And he said, why? Why don't you want to? And the guy says, well, we Googled driving on ice, on black ice. We've never done it. And it's apparently really dangerous and we don't feel safe. So my friend was like, okay, I totally understand that. Bear in mind that at this point, everyone else has done it. And secondly, if you drive really slowly, you should be okay. And it's not a very long road, sort of half a mile. And also, if we don't get that car to that place today, we're going to go over budget. Is this one of the hypothetical questions on your driving test, Matt? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't. So it and then what my friend realized was that they had Googled the black ice. And obviously, driving on black ice is extremely dangerous, right? Which was a question in my test today. But he noticed that one of these kids had these newish white trainers on. And he realized the kid didn't want to potentially walk in the mud with these white shoes on to the car. And that may have been the real reason why they didn't want to do it, or at least part of the decision-making process. So my friend took the kid aside. Bear in mind, these kids were assistants on a film. That is a job that is unbelievably hard to get in this day and age. Okay. Unbelievably difficult. You have to murder the competition. He said to the kids, listen, I totally get what the problem is. Take these contractor bags, put them over your shoes, and you won't have this problem. You'd be wrapped in plastic. And the kid looks at my friend with this expression like he's just asked him to have sex with his mother and says, (laughs) I'm not doing that. So anyway, my friend said to them, if you guys don't drive the car, I'm just going to have to get someone else to do it, or I'm going to have to do it myself. The next day, my friend got to the set to discover that someone had told the union that he was operating a film shoot in unsafe conditions and that there was going to be a union investigation. So this shut the shoot down for two months. And all the jobs of the people on the set, they were all local people working on the set, were all put on hold with no pay. Of course, my friend knows who complained to the union. It was this kid, simply because he didn't want to walk in the mud with his shoes, and he didn't want to put plastic bags on his shoes to avoid walking in the mud because he didn't think he should. That is horrific. Yeah. Now, the film's come out now. It doesn't (laughs) surprise me either. That's the sad thing about it. Um, Just want to say, hi, guys. I am here. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi. Well, I'm very busy. I've got a lot of irons in the fire trying to juggle my workload. But yeah, here. Matt said you could probably manage without me, but not sure you can, really. (laughs) That was a big lie. (laughs) I don't know who said that. This is true. So, Johnny, in your industry, are you noticing a change in attitude with the recent graduates? No, I don't think so, actually. I don't see the same thing so much. I think sometimes part of the reason for that is because they haven't actually recruited any graduates <laughs> for the last uh, two years. <laughs> no, I see, I see like, like, yeah, thanks, Brexit. I don't see the same thing. I think, gen- or at least I don't see a sort of systemic issue with generation in terms of being work shy or being um, unable to present. That stat you said is quite startling, but I see a load of young people with loads of enthusiasm, but then they get rapidly ground down and quite cynical quite quickly because they're either not treated with meaningful work or they get put on something that clearly no training benefit for them. I don't see that millennial next generation being inferior in some way or or work shy. 
personally. If anything, the amount of jobs there are is limited. And so the competition is so tight, they're really sharpened. I mean, they'll like be offering to do all kinds of extra work and like volunteering and stuff and you know, unpaid work and things, which out of principle, I don't really agree with but they'll really go the extra mile. I see examples of uh, millennials, even in my job at the moment, and that's virtually. Obviously, the job I'm in is fairly average to bordering on low pay for what it is, and there's a selection of different ages of people. And I've been in a team where there's a more mature person who's committed to getting on and getting promoted. And then there's this little bunch of guys who are younger in their early to mid 20s they feel entitled and think because they turn up monday to friday nine to five and they do that for a few months they've been in the job a year two years that they deserve a pay rise that they deserve to be promoted they deserve this like hold on a minute it doesn't quite work like that (laughs) anybody can just turn up and do their job but you have to do something a little bit extra or something to get to that next stage i think that if you're up front with someone when you employ them, that part of what the deal should be is that there is opportunity for progression. And in all the interviews I've done as an interviewee, it's always rattled out rhetoric about career progression. There's opportunities for development and so on and so forth. So it's definitely a tool that employers use. You know, if you don't offer that and you don't offer the opportunity to go with it and be upfront about the fact that along with that goes progression in pay, you're not not you, Lou, but like one is not being upfront. Mm. If you meet the requirements of a job that has progression as part of it, then you should get a pay rise, I think, because you're, you are learning on the job probably, presumably. The challenge in our industry is that it's very results-based. So in simple terms, if you're not getting results, you ain't getting pay rise. You might struggle to keep your job after a point. And I think that's what is a massive challenge in management in the business is trying to instill in people the the idea that you don't just get a pay rise because you've been there a year. You get a pay rise because you've fulfilled the objectives that are set to you in in your role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you hit the ceiling of that role, then in order to go above that level, then you need to A, apply and B, demonstrate capability beyond that. I just feel like maybe that we're just, well, we are coming at it from someone looking back 15 plus years. You, know you were mean? just Whereas, about to say old school, we're weren't you? With some enthusiasm. <laughs> and, well, yeah. Because when, but, I was yeah, going to say this, old school. We've, we've had the sort of enthusiasm hammered out of us. Whereas these guys are probably like, yeah, I can do this. Give me more money. Fair enough. There's some obnoxious stuff. From my own experience on film sets, as well, going back to Matt's point earlier on, that's where I, I get to work, I guess, with those of, I guess you would say, millennials. They are brilliant. I did a film a couple of months ago and it was gruelling night shoot it was hard work it was hard work and the crew work harder than anyone and half of those guys were just they were millennials quote-unquote millennials and they would be hard working as hell i don't know i think it might be a bit generalizing also yeah it's got to be down to the individual right possibly depends on the job yeah sector i was just going to say all of these problems would be solved if oh, by the way it's great you've had a positive impression with millennials, Josh and Johnny, I wonder if you guys aren't being sponsored by some kind of pro-millennial group <laughs> off camera. But anyway. Sorry, can I just interject by literally just this thing has just come up on my computer here. And it says kids in the 90s. a transaction receipt? versus kids today <laughs> hey mom i'm home i scored three home runs then the ball went into the neighbor's yard we got it back we rang and ran 12 doorbells i scraped my knee falling off my bike but washed it with water from a hose that i also drank out of then we found a dead rat okay gonna go and watch power rangers and then it says kids today mom 
my iPad's battery ran out. <laughs> I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> all I was going to say is like all of these problems with millennials will be solved if every job application, you know, the kind of jobs you're talking about, Matt, in order to get the job, well, you just employed the tactics of what they have over here what they call a gang jumping in ceremony. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, sounds interesting <laughs> slash brutal. I think you should try to implement this on the UK workforce. Is, is my first interview question going to be, it works like itself? So a gang jumping in ceremony <laughs> is when the new applicant, let's just imagine a new applicant for, you know, for one of the jobs that you're fishing for, gets driven to an isolated patch of waste ground where every single other member of the gang slash firm is waiting for them. And they're allowed to, for one or two minutes, uninterrupted. They're just allowed to beat the new applicant to a pulp. And I think if we did this, it's only 60 seconds, then they're accepted into the firm. If you just deployed that tactic for every single new job, it would yeah, be a lot better. I'll, I'll run it past HR and, and see what they it think. It sounds like a rugby club initiation, that does. Exactly. Yeah, it does actually, doesn't it? And that's yeah. how you should yeah. sell it. Yeah, followed by a round of flaming arsehole and, um, and five straight pints. Straight on pints, yeah. Any yeah. rugby club would ask for the same procedure. Do you know I think a big part of the problem is, though, right? So, Josh, going back to your example there, right? So, a millennial working on a film set, just for argument's sake, they're at the bottom of the career rung right now. The top of the career rung could be collecting an Oscar at a glitzy ceremony in Hollywood whilst the other Maybach waits for them outside to take them to an ageing Kanye West's after-show party. In my industry, the bottom of the ladder is making sales calls. The top of the ladder is being signed off with stress and anxiety on an average pension on £70,000 a year, basically. Balls, overweight, wife's left you, all that kind of stuff. That's the reality of what you look forward to <laughs> in most companies. I've often thought I chose the wrong industry in my dark moments. What I realize is I should have chosen your industry, man. Really? All right. I'll uh, see what, you know, send me, just send me a CV. I'll put you in the mix as you go on. <laughs> go back to Humble Brags. There's a guy that I, I think is really good called Mike Winnett. So if you want to see Humble Brags, <laughs> The place to go is LinkedIn. Oh, right? Might win it. Might win it. So might win it on LinkedIn is an absolute god. I think he actually might not be on there anymore. He calls himself the UK's number one demotivational speaker. Great. So he <laughs> routinely puts ridiculous comments on people's humble brags. He posts like, anti-memes, all the rest of it. Here's an example of one. So it's quite common for, for people who are like entrepreneurs to put on examples of where they gave somebody a chance in life and this sort of stuff. This is what might might win it put on. I could ask that very question by somebody I was interviewing recently and didn't make a fuss about it. I just answered, this lady was being interviewed to be my new PA. And as I wrapped up, I said, have you got any questions for me? Her, you smell nice. What have you got on? Me? Oh, a hard on. I didn't realize you could oh smell it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> she declined the offer we made. I guess she really didn't want the job. <laughs> we dodged a bullet there, I reckon. <laughs> This is brilliant. So my six-year-old son looked like he was going to cry. Last week, he asked if I would attend his school nativity. I said, sorry, I have meetings. And I also don't believe in God. <laughs> you always have meetings, Dad. It's probably what makes you really successful. We've been working on a blue chip prospect for weeks and had already rescheduled the meeting twice. One for my dentist appointment and the other for a stag do. Finally, we found a time where everybody could be on a call. It was perfect. The exact time of the performance. Perfect. <laughs> 
a ready-made excuse so I didn't have to watch it with the less work-focused, less successful parents. (laughs) (laughs) This meeting was important to the company, to the team, but more importantly, to me. (laughs) This is when you question everything. What are you really working to build and what are you willing to sacrifice? I love it. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, he's, 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 he's on Instagram hero. He's, he's on Twitter he's on LinkedIn but basically there's, there's a couple of guys on LinkedIn who are like mega famous a meme he's put here you have the same number of hours in the day as the world's most successful people what you lack is their drive work ethic and talent that's why they're more successful than you <laughs> I love it. Yeah, right. I love it. I've just been scanning through LinkedIn as we regard this. Every day I've got one contact who's like an absolute motivational quote merchant. Today's one is, all birds find shelter during the rain, but Eagle avoids the rain by flying above the clouds. Problems are common, but attitude makes the difference. Oh, fuck you. Is that the screaming? Oh, no, not <laughs> that again. <laughs> Luke, is there somebody in your network you're telling me about that particularly hot on the oh, live, God, life, love yeah, quote? Live, life, yeah, love. she's a bit of a Karen. So live, life, love, it's the thing that it's like a mantra that if you see it on someone's Facebook or carved in pastel-coloured wood hanging up on their wall. You yeah, know they're a Live, twat. life, love. <laughs> It's, you know it's like uh, YOLO, yeah. isn't it? Oh, no, it's worse than that. Yes, it's, like it's exactly yeah. that. It's worse yeah. than that. Nobody is living your best yeah. life when you're working yeah, exactly. in the hospital ICU. They're the same people that say things like, I'm not racist, I've got loads of black friends. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. No one is exactly living your best person. life. What makes me really angry about all of this is that this is happening in the context of a world which is rapidly, I mean, I still am affected by that video of the two Afghans falling off a plane as it took off over Kabul. They're not living their best life. Today, the Supreme Court didn't block the abortion ban in Texas. Like You basically now can't have an abortion if you live in Texas, which is a gigantic place, by the way, bigger than England about 35 times. And so none of those people are living their best life. All these really terrible things are happening. And yet, for some reason, modern culture tells us it's okay to bury our heads in the sand with these phrases and this ridiculous attitude of showing off. Some people just don't have time to show off. They're too busy hanging on to the undercarriage of a plane because their life is so desperate. That's what makes me really angry about all of this. That got me thinking, actually, when, you, when you're saying about the humble brag and maybe the whole influencer thing, is that there's a real subgenre of the humble brag, as I see it, which is the, you know, let's face it, to have principles, it costs money, doesn't it? If you buy everything eco and everything free range, it really costs money. But that, I think, is often used as a lever to just show off how wealthy you are by bragging about your eco credentials, just how worthy and, and how clean living you might be. I think you're absolutely right, yeah. The reality is, to feed a family of four in Iceland foods is a whole lot cheaper than going to the local organic market. Have you guys got Whole Foods? Yeah, yeah. There are many of no them. No one. But they are in London. Yeah, no one who lives in a poor part of town can afford to go to Whole Foods to feed their family. And the result is that their kids grow up badly nourished, so they can't concentrate in school. So they don't do well. So they don't get good jobs. There's a few jobs that there are these days. All because they didn't get a whole <laughs> The official diagnosis from the rich GP is, I'm afraid he didn't go to Whole Foods, so he'll always be a failure. Yum. <laughs> There's another side to it though, Matt, isn't it? That's, this is the thing. So you kind of need hope, don't you? So I really, really hate motivational quotes because 
it just makes me instantly want to do the absolute opposite. I just hate being told what to do. But equally, if people start laying out the reality of life, it would make it worse, wouldn't it? I mean, if you keep saving money because you're never going to buy a house or you're going to die at 45 because you're fat. Keep trying, but it'll never happen anyway. Exactly. It comes a point where you've got to give people a little bit of a pep talk sometimes. Honestly, um, (laughs) that's like like eating a whole food sandwich while sitting on like a park bench. Let's just take both ends of the spec. If you are wealthy, you feed your family from Whole Foods or like Waitrose or whatever, right? And they go to good schools because you've got money. You generally find those are the people who spend all their time doing things like hashtag blessed, you are loved, be the change you want to be, all this stuff. They're the ones who love motivational quotes. Whereas this family over here who has the shop at Asda, or even worse than that, they don't have time for motivational quotes because they're trying to get enough money from their two jobs that they're both working to put food on the table for the kids. They don't have time for any of that. These rich people over here, they get to present themselves as liberal and worldly and wise. The reality is it's just because they have more money than everybody else. You forgot to mention a fly to Tibet to do an outreach program. Oh, my God. And they come back and tell us how much it's changed their life. Yeah, Johnny's 18, so he can go and do some charity work in Africa and be a little white saviour. If you want to have absolute rage at the younger generation right now, best way to do it, in my experience, is to look at pictures of the aftermath of the various festivals that have happened recently. Oh, yeah. It's the most appalling thing you've ever seen. Is there lots of litter? Leeds Festival, Boardmasters down in Cornwall. A bit of litter doesn't even scratch the surface of the absolute chaos. There's been you know, tens of thousands of tents just abandoned. Mountains and mountains of sleeping bags and camping chairs. And that's before you even start with the litter. Just abandoned fields left for somebody else to clear up. Because they don't value their property. Right. And this is the same people that sing about Jeremy Corbyn and how unfair life is. It's like, fucking hell. As a Jeremy Corbyn supporter, I won't comment then. I feel like we're... We're tarring everyone with the same brush here a bit. We're really beating down on the millennials here. I feel like I've met a lot of older people who are complete assholes. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to put listen, it out there. <laughs> I should just remind you that in 2016, there was this vote that was carried by older people. I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but it totally fucked up the country permanently. Yeah, that too. Aren't we just revealing how middle-aged we are? Because we're all saying the younger generation sucks. They don't understand how hard it is. I'm just basically turning into an older person. Let's take you back to Taunton. What do you think we would have been doing if COVID had happened when we were at school? When we were at school. Don't you think we would have like let our hair down a bit? The young people are. (laughs) I'm generalizing here now as well. (laughs) I'm just trying to pick up the young people because I still want to be one of them. I probably would have been organizing like a sponsored cycle race to John O'Groats for the UK Heart Foundation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Land's End is much pitches. closer to Taunton though. Just go Land's End instead. Yeah, it's easy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. 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 It is easy. Equally worthy. I'm pretty sure like those guys who are clinging to the underside of that C-170 US Army transport plane weren't sponsored to do that. They're probably just trying to get the perfect selfie for Instagram. That's why right, you're probably really right, man. They were, they were actually probably Facebook live streaming it and it all just went wrong. I mean, it's hard to cling to the bottom of a plane when you've only got one hand because with the other hand, you're using your <laughs> new iPhone to live stream yourself. <laughs> I would fall off too, quite frankly. 
New only to the very latest in Apple technology, we bring you a brand new app to raise your personal profile and show the world just how much you care. Slacktivist brings you amazing 4K definition backgrounds and filters to give you the virtual experience of teaching English to hungry children in Tibet, all from the comfort of your local Starbucks. Choose from Sub-Saharan African Village, Afghanistan Refugee Camp, Post-Earthquake Haiti or South Croydon as you tell the story of those less fortunate than you without ever having to get your ice white Adidas classics dirty in the open sewers of third world environments. For every like your picture gets, we will donate one penny to our foundation designed to teach social media marketing to refugees. Hashtag YOLO, hashtag live life love. Only available on iPhone 12 or later from the App Store. So we haven't really talked about Taunton a great deal. So I thought it'd be quite interesting to see if you can make Taunton just for a couple of days, like a hub of wellness and motivation and general positive affirmations. So have a big summit, invite all the best people to come and teach the people of Taunton and people that are paying large amounts of money to come to the summit about how to live your best life. What would it look like? How would you organise such a, an important life-affirming event? It would have to start with branding, and I guess it would be called YOLO Taunton. Hashtag Taunton, hashtag blessed. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a good start, definitely. It'd need to be pretty colourful, wouldn't it? You'd need to have plenty of colours. My way of doing it is I'd probably set every building on fire and cut the throats <laughs> of every millennial and then use their blood to paint the <laughs> smouldering ruins with interesting colours and then <laughs> play loud rock music. I've really missed you, Matt. <laughs> My God. My Kickstarter would probably make at least 20K with that. Easily. Hashtag blessed, you know. What's the other one? Life, love, loser. Live, love, laugh. Live, love, laugh. So, so Johnny, there might be some technical challenges with this, and you're a better person probably than me to judge the feasibility. But I thought with a new and very exciting construction project happening just down the road at Hinkley Point, I'm guessing that nuclear power stations generate quite a lot of heat that then needs to be got rid of somehow. Yes, they do, yeah. Does it? Yeah. So it's some kind of piping system to pipe the hot gases from the nuclear fission yeah. to Taunton. Yeah. Into I'm the just writing this down, by the way. I'm just going to use this as... If we piped it into the River Tone, you could turn yeah. it into a giant spa. Mate, that's nice. So you could have an actual open-air spa for wellness so that people who have had a difficult day at Whole Foods promoting their new online business. Oh, that's nice, man. With the world, sort of world-renowned... Centre for wellness, you know. There you it go. might not be a centre for it wellness might... if the steam heating the water is full of toxins. Well, that's a small risk to pay for, for wellness. Have you guys heard of this town called Pripyat in the Ukraine? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of Maybe it. Maybe look yeah, it I've up before that. trying that out. Yeah, that was the Chernobyl town, wasn't it? Maybe they didn't have the foresight, though, to, to actually turn the heat into something that's going to release the stress and anxiety of modern life. Yeah, maybe they weren't blessed with the sort of world-renowned cleansing, healing, tidal estuary muds of the River Tone. Or Geiger but counters. I just think in the Soviet Union, they just weren't that 
knowledgeable about wellness and they ate really badly. We all know that. None of them ate organically. And I just think that they needed some YOLO in their lives. <laughs> you know? I mean, who doesn't? Let's face it, it was hard to live your best life in the later years of the Soviet Union. The earlier years were quite challenging too, actually. Aren't they? <laughs> they were. Another thing that you could do as well, have you guys ever been to Disney or Absolutely anywhere like that? Absolutely not. Oh, no. No way, man. Is it an uplifting place? Wasn't he a supporter of the Nazis? Walt Disney. Walt Disney. I don't know. I, I didn't really back to that in when I went to Disneyland Paris. Although, what's quite of- interesting about Disneyland, a bit of a side story. So, in America, so I've been to Disney in America, and when the characters come out for photos and stuff, it's like a big deal. And everyone sort of, you know, gathers around them and they sign little autographs and have their photos taken with the kids and all this sort of stuff. When they opened Euro Disney in Paris and all the characters came out for autographs, instead of asking for autographs, the local prisons just beat the shit out of them. I love that. <laughs> <Just kept laughs> having, they kept having issues. This is true. So they're having issues with kids just kicking and punching Mickey Mouse and stuff. And it caused real problems. But um, anyway, go back to my original point. In, in Disneyland, it, it started to happen in the UK as well. So I went to Alton Towers not that long ago and they, they started doing it there. They put little signs up where they think you could take the best photo, a little bit with a, some water or a, a statue or something. And it will say, be sponsored by Kodak. And it'll say Kodak moment oh, spot. Sake, can you not make your own mind up where is a good picture? No, you can't do that, Lee. That'd be silly. You've got to do what you're told in Disney. So I thought you could do that in Taunton. Especially when you're in the theme park that's been created by an anti-Semitic <laughs> Nazi supporter. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You can have your picture taken with a pile of burning bodies, for example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should take your picture where you're supposed to, you know. And you could do that in Taunton. So you could go and scout the best selfie locations around Taunton with like a QR code for downloading special Taunton limited edition filters. Do you know, Matt, I, I think that is so Taunton. That is such an excellently Taunton idea. I think that would dovetail very, very nicely with a town walk with some nicely Taunton emblematic inserts in the pavement to help everyone navigate their way around the town. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's actually a very good idea, Matt. Forget the podcast. I think you should write to the councillor again. Yeah, I think you should actually just do it. Yeah, I think she might have forgotten the previous incident. I think we should all be living our best life at this point. I mean, we are 42. (laughs) Well, speak for yourselves. I'm 36. Indeed, yeah. You really should be living your best life then. Straight out of the mean streets of SW8, Superman's best friend, Dan Carter's life coach and the man they call the face of Specsavers. The wire-avoiding international man of mystery, Josh. This is Taunton Matters. Yo. (laughs) A pregnant pause. This is Taunton Matters. You know, it's been a bit dull this time in the sense that people in Taunton this week have just been generally being really nice to one another. That is very all good and well, but, you know, there's not much comedy in that. Or have all the ones that normally do all the exciting comments gone on holiday to Cornwall. Yeah, maybe you need to look at Truro Matters or something. Maybe. St Ives Matters. I'd say one in five of the Taunton Matters threads is about, it's either about traffic or gentrification or, you know, all the development going on. What's the next bit of road that's going to be worked on? And or what are they doing with Debenhams? But, you know, here we have someone called Fion who's asking if anyone knows of any beauticians in Taunton that could fit her in today just to get her eyebrows shaped plucked, waxed, threaded, because her lady hasn't replied for ages and, and her eyebrows are bad. So if anyone's out there... How bad are we talking? Are we, are we in monobrow territory? Well, it's, it's, it sounds like if she's posting on the Taunton Matters Facebook group. I saw my sister last week and I told her she'd painted her eyebrows on too high. She looked surprised. 
Richard. <laughs> oh, God. You've been waiting to say that, haven't you? Oh, come on. <laughs> When I saw that post, I was like, yeah, I've got to slip that one in there. So, (laughs) sorry. All I can say is, Matt, stop going to Taunton every week. This one's from Amy Cawthorn, who says, lost cat, exclamation mark. Last night, a black cat was hit by a car next to Moncton Heathfield Garden Centre. But I'm not sure if it's been hit, if it's a lost cat or a dead cat. Maybe, Matt, you can tell us. Maybe it wasn't a cat at all. Maybe it was a, a badger. It could have been a badger. There are badgers out there on the road. I remember my, my sister had just passed her driving test and I'd gone to the cinema, probably with you guys, just outside Taunton. And it was her first journey alone at night. Again, going back in time, no mobile phones. Said goodbye to everyone because my sister was picking me up. And I was just waiting there for so long until like everyone had left. It was just like an empty space. No one was around. And then eventually my dad turns <laughs> And it turns out on my sister's first drive from home, she hit a badger and killed a badger on the way to the cinema. Yeah, they're pretty big animals, aren't they? You must must feel it. This one's from Derek Flanagan, who (laughs) is concerned about the weed problems in Taunton. He's calling it Weedy Taunton. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have a bet now on what type of weed Derek is talking about. I'm going to bet couch grass. I'm concerned at Taunton's general unkempt appearance along most roads that are infested with weeds along their footpaths and curbs. I think he made a mistake, but he said, it makes areas look very depraved and and poorly maintained. (laughs) (laughs) Depraved. As well as as destroying the tarmac. I appreciate that the council probably have no chemical weed killer policy, but weed burners are an environmental alternative. So, yeah. Well, that's the Taunton rewilding program taking effect. Let's just set fire to Taunton with yeah. a flamethrower, shall we? Lou, show some respect. Come on. <laughs> just because you've never no, been there. the weeds. Oh, yeah. Okay, for the weeds. Yeah. Lou. Um, Not Debenhams, though. There's one here from someone called Lou who has a nom de plume of Rob Harris. Not Rolf Harris. Um, (laughs) although actually oh my god imagine if this was written by rolf harris because the post says anyone know of any restaurants in taunton that will allow 16 year olds to drink alcohol with a meal (laughs) (laughs) rolf whoever you are i don't know Get a grip. Stop posting these things online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what it is, <laughs> yeah. We're going to come back down to call to, to the generous people of Taunton. Can anyone help with donations for our shop? This is from Natalie Dyson. And the shop is it's called St. Giles, and it's an animal rescue centre. So if anyone has things for that, that they can sell online to raise money, then get in touch. And there's another call saying it's a call to support. It's from Trish Caller, who is calling to ask people to support local businesses. And she's getting well ahead of time because this post is all about Christmas shopping, which is a bit depressing. She's saying that you can get ahead of Christmas. And and instead of, as she says, instead of boosting Amazon's profits, you should shop local and support local businesses, even getting vouchers for the local hairdresser maybe the eyebrow clinic if you're Fionn, other such local businesses. The horrible thing is she was probably created by someone at Amazon's PR department and probably all the shop sites asking you to go to 
are actually secretly owned by Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah. And she's thus a bot, or what they call them. Christmas bees. Yeah. Probably just a terrible millennial. Probably just about 27 and thinks everything's going to come her way. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> well, I've got news for you. It isn't. <laughs> this is as good as it's going to get. Planet's going to die and Taunton's going to be underwater. <laughs> and you're going to be right there. When the waves come Just in. Just as well our target audience isn't millennials, isn't it? Not anymore, it's not. I mean, any who did tune no, in well, probably deciding they, that they, they, they won't probably turned off about half an hour ago. I feel like we've lost a main audience, an important audience sector. Haven't we got a sister blog called Straight From The Mum Can I Have Some More Money? <laughs> <laughs> Straight From The Money Tap. Straight from the gold money tap. I'm just going to go and do some charity work in Africa and take a selfie of myself feeding people in a village where everyone's black because that makes me look good to everybody else. <laughs> Mom, can I have some more money, please? I think I'm going to take a year out from living at home by staying in a five-star hotel and thinking about my music career. I think if any of my children said that to me, I might beat them to death, to be honest. Yeah, you take a year yeah. out in hospital. Yeah. <laughs> you take a year out working. Yeah. Very, very I think hard. There's still a coal mine that's live in uh, Wales somewhere. There's a City of London banking sector induction course that you could take a year out doing <laughs> to make sure that mum and dad can live on minimum wage when they're 70 and all retirement <laughs> benefits cut off because people like you have squandered, along with the baby boomers, all the fucking money in society. <laughs> the prices up so high so that the UK becomes akin to like a Mad Max style wasteland <laughs> where armed gangs roam the countryside and the rich 1% of the 1% Live in special walled cities in total luxury. 1% of the 1%. I love that. Welcome back. Welcome take a back, year Max out, fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah, you can take a year out if you let me chase you across the fields with my shotgun whilst drinking a gin and tonic. And you make it alive, sure, you can take a year out. That's classic, Matt's rants. That's it this week from Taunton Matters. Many thanks for listening to this 12-4 episode. This episode's shout-out goes to the Bridge Cafe on Bridge Street in Taunton. This new business is serving a very delicious selection of cakes and freshly prepared food. They also serve one of the very best coffees in Taunton. This was straight from the hot tower.